It is now our pleasure to present the unqualified champion of healthy living. Just stay in your seats, ladies and gentlemen, and we'll blow you up as soon as possible. Hmm? You know what I mean. As you can see, astronaut flight training isn't like anything you've ever experienced before. please ladies and gentlemen boys and girls you are approaching w radio your information station hello my friend and welcome to the wdw radio show your walt disney world information station i am your host lou mangello and this is show number 498 and i'm here once again not only to help you have the best experience when you go to the parks but I also want to bring you a little bit of Disney magic every week with the podcast, videos, blog, live broadcasts on Facebook every Wednesday night, my books, audio tours, special events, and more. You can find everything over at www.radio.com. Like a grand and miraculous disco ball, Spaceship Earth has stood as the icon of Epcot Center for more than 35 years. And while it has undergone changes, big and small, it still remains a guest and personal favorite. This week, we're going to explore some of the reasons why in our top 10 things we love about Spaceship Earth, including some history, details, and bits of trivia you might not have ever known before. I'll then have the answer to our last Walt Disney World trivia question of the week, and I'll pose a new challenge for your chance to win a Disney prize package Then stay tuned to the end of the show as I'll have some updates and information, including details about our next WW Radio Meet of the Month during Wine and Dine Half Marathon Weekend. And of course, more more of your voicemails. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this week's episode of the WW Radio Show. Welcome aboard Spaceship Earth. Journey with us now to the dawn of recorded time as we explore the amazing story of human communication. Like a grand and miraculous spaceship, our planet has sailed through the universe of time, and for a brief moment, we have been among its many passengers. That memorable, remarkable opening line of Spaceship Earth, in my opinion, best read by Jeremy Irons. Like a grand and miraculous spaceship, our planet has sailed through the universe of time. Welcomes us as guests and visitors to an experience that's more than a symbol or icon of Epcot Center, but one that also represents a gateway to a vision of the future and a planet united. And inside, we have, for more than 35 years, been treated with a journey through time where the answers of our future might just lie in our past. And there are many, many reasons I, and I'm sure you, like, dare I say love, Spaceship Earth. And this week, we're going to explore our top 10-ish reasons why we love Spaceship Earth. And when you hear me say top 10, you probably think of Tim Foster and wonder just how far over 10 items we'll actually have on our list. 
So, like the European monks toiling endlessly recording those books by hand, as does Tim Foster with Celebrations Magazine, I want to welcome you back, my friend. <sighs> oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> Every time I pass that toiling monk, I'm like, that's Timmy Foster putting together the next issue. Yeah, that's pretty much how (laughs) everybody wanted to know what goes on behind the scenes. That's it. That's a pretty good. That's an accurate representation of the celebrations. (laughs) Lying on my back, painting pictures on the. Yeah. By candlelight. in a a, Like, like, yeah. You you sounded just like Judy Dench there. I got well, well done. That was fantastic. All right. So wait a minute. I'm going to yeah. let, let's just get this out of the way right off the bat. Uh-huh. I want you to tell me your favorite version of Spaceship Earth. And by favorite version, I think I'm really asking you who is was your favorite narrator. This isn't fair because I knew this would turn into what we miss most <laughs> about Spaceship Earth. I'm a Jeremy Irons kid. I grew up with that's my first time I was on Spaceship Earth. I think was with with Jeremy Irons, or at least that's the first. You wait. The first time you were on Spaceship Earth was with Jeremy Irons. Uh, Probably. You rode with Joe, or did you just sort of miss, you know, construct your sentence? I might not. Well, here you rode, and Jeremy Irons happened to be the the, the narrator. Yeah, let let me clarify. I I did not. Scar was not sitting with me in the car. If that's what you're saying, give me your best. Jeremy Irons, like a grand and miraculous spaceship. Oh, wait, wait. I got to um, think of another. Um, uh, give me a lot. I don't want to do that one. I was trying to think of something else. Uh, uh, so, uh, okay, here. Across a lonely, hostile planet. Nah, our early. No, not good. No, anything but. Phoenician that. merchants established the. Early, was that? Oh wait, was that Jeremy Irons? Was was that? Sure, it? Okay. sure. <laughs> that was the worst scar ever. Uh, I, I listen, um, I'm with you. Oh, see, I, I can't do Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I can um, do Judy Dench. <laughs> Go ahead, just for giggles. Now I'm going to hold it because there's. You going to save it for later? I'm oh. going to save it because. I my favorite thing about Spaceship Earth is is well, th- your reaction to it, but we'll get to that. We, we later. will get to it. So, and, and look, I, I'm with you. I love um, the the Jeremy Irons version. I love the dulcet tones of his of his wonderful British accent. But there is something about you know for eons, our planet has drifted as a spaceship through the universe, and <laughs> for a brief moment. We have been its passengers. Slightly different, awful wow. Walter Cronkite. That wasn't meant to be an impression. That was just sort of me trying to change the tones of. It was. It was an homage right. to um, to Walter Cron- Cronkite and his. Sorry, uh, Walter. <laughs> poor guy's rolling over in his uh. grave at this point. For eons, our planet has drifted as a spaceship through the universe. And for a brief moment, we have been its passengers. Yet in that time, we've made tremendous... That is one that I remember so much as little Lou Mangiello going to Epcot Center for the first time in 1982 and journeying back with him 40,000 years to the dawn of recorded history, tracing the path of communications from its earliest beginnings to the promise of the future. Spaceship Earth has has and probably always shall be one of still one of my favorite attractions 
not because of the the the, the uh, ride vehicle system or the fact that um, you can usually get on with not too long of a line or the fact that it's just the iconic attraction, but there's still something that I love about it. Dare I say at least 10 things that I love about Spaceship Earth. And Tim, because I know you have spent weeks in preparation for this mm-hmm. segment and mm-hmm. because you are my guest and my friend, yeah. and I'm probably uh-huh. going to steal some of yours anyway, uh-huh. I would love to hear what your first thing that you love, that you love about Spaceship Earth is. <clears throat> oh, I got nothing. <laughs> Come on, man. At least feign the preparation. I love riding through spaceship. No, 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 no. I'm not going to let you phone this one in. I want, listen, when you (laughs) think of Spaceship Earth and as you ride through, what is the thing or things that make you smile, that give you pause, that impress you like, oh, this this is quintessential Epcot Disney imagining at its finest. This is a detail. It's a story. What are some of those things that you love about the attraction? Oh, where do I begin? See, like I said, a lot of these, they're going to fall into what I miss most. But there are a couple things that are in the current version that I I love and adore. Um, You know what? I'm going to – this is a real – this is so absurdly simple that this also – this could have been in the extra 37 that we're going to do. But I'm just going to – I'm going to lead with this. And save my big guns for later, partially so I can think of what they're going to be. But here's – this is what I'm going to start with. And this is the new thing. I kind of discovered this and I tell people to do this while they're on the attraction. And it's, it's, it's not a big deal. It's kind of silly. But when, you, when you're at the top and you have the grand reveal of, of the Earth and stars up on the uh, inner side of the sphere of uh, Spaceship Earth, your attraction vehicle will rotate backwards. And at that point – what I like to do – boy, it sounds stupid as I'm saying it. I can hear the words kind of – is you close your eyes, count to 30, and then open them. And when you do, you will be in the middle of a fiber optic star-filled galaxy, the likes of which you've never seen. And I do that because it's fun. As you slowly glide into it, then you'll see the light start to appear. But – Having you close your eyes and then open them when they're when you're fully immersed in them is pretty cool. How did I do for my first one? I mean, it, it was that was awful, but but no, it, it no. is going. I, I have no. It's an, fun. I, it's a fun thing to do. I have an interesting. That you don't even think of. I have an interesting comment to that. Okay. Because ironically enough, the first you, thing that you love about Spaceship Earth, yeah, is one of the few things that I don't love about Spaceship Earth. Ooh, I know. You're, Are we you, turning this into a? You may be surprised to hear me say All that, right. but I, I have top ten things you don't like about Spaceship Earth and the wings. Then, so I, I was a Cronkite guy. I was mm-hmm. a Jeremy Irons guy. Uh, I was, you know, going back like uh, to the very beginning. But uh, you know, Lawrence Dobkin, you know, may you may you, you still live on somewhere. But I loved that your journey down, right? So you traveled back in time, and then as you journey down, ironically, you're going backwards, but you're really going forwards, right? You were looking into this vision of what the future might represent. And like places like 
the carousel of progress, Tomorrowland as a whole, future world as a whole, it's very difficult to depict and more importantly predict the future because it's happening so fast, right? We, we are, our technology is, is doubling now, not every 12, 10, 7, 5 years, but even faster than that. So when you see the child in America talking to the child in Asia via a futuristic video conference screen, when you see it in 1982, it's spectacular. Someday we're going to be like that. It gave you something to look forward to. It gave you get something to be excited about the technology that was going to be coming in the future. When the refurbishment happened a number of years ago, and uh, so I think it's what, 2007 or so, when that happened and I wrote it for the first time during an early preview, I will tell you that my expectation was, oh, this is a temporary placeholder for something that's, they're, they're obviously, uh, they put black drapes, they put the, and I think the lights are cool. I mean, I think it's a neat, you know, effect. I felt like I'm in 1982 all over again, but I'm like, well, they must be doing something behind the scenes. We're going to get these little vignettes all around us as we've had in the past on both sides. And I waited and I waited and I waited the deluge. It never came. And I understand that the reason why is because our focus is not meant to be on the vignettes and the scenes, but on the screen in front of us. I don't want to look. I am a tech nerd. I've had a computer since like that. I didn't date very much in high school because I had a computer. I understand we are a screen generation. While I love the interactivity as opposed to the passive experience that Spaceship Earth gives us, I also want us not necessarily to be looking at screens. And I understand it's something that we can do uh, together, but I miss having those futuristic vignettes, which I think are easier to swap out than an entire scene on a turntable on Carousel of Progress. So my very long-winded, somewhat circuitous, coming back to where I began was, I miss the audio animatronics and scenes of of the descent, the original descent of Spaceship Earth. All right, we went down the rabbit hole now. So, yeah, no, I... I, I I sadly agree. And um, my favorite scene, uh, uh, again, we, we talked about this before we started the show, that we've talked about Spaceship Earth so many times on different shows in different ways. And I've surely mentioned this before, but my all-time favorite scene in Spaceship Earth was the city of the future in the previous incarnation, mm-hmm. where you, you saw this wondrous – that's Epcot. That's what Epcot should have been. And to see it um, – was it was dazzling it was the music would drive me to tears and uh, you know what we probably did our favorite uh attraction soundtracks and mentioned spaceship earth because one of your wonderful wonderful listeners sent me years ago a soundtrack of uh, the finale from the incarnation before which is still on my phone and i listen to it um every so often but but that that combination of going backwards of seeing because uh, at that point you're seeing depictions of what the future of communication is going to be like, seeing the city, the future, hearing that stirring music. That was my Ep- that was my first Epcot experience, and that to me is still the quintessential Epcot, Ep- Epcot experience. Say that five times fast. Um, but I'll never forget, and that's what comes to mind when you say Epcot, that scene, that sequence. And yeah, I miss it. And I, I 
probably I was wandering around when they were doing the previews and snuck on at some point as well when they kind of ushered a few people in and said, see what you think. And and I thought kind of the same thing you did. I came out and loved the new animatronics, which I'm sure we'll get to, and the uh, enhancements of the scenes in the first part. But a uh, cast member asked me on the way out, what did you think? And I said, I miss the city, the future. And she looked down and went, I know. But um, I don't know if you know any better. I, I hear it's they're all it's still there just behind drapes and maybe someday who knows um uh, i i i believe I that the finale of spaceship earth is what it is because it is easily swappable and i actually believe that what we see now in terms of the finale and even the interactivity creating your own future and look i dig it man i would love to have my clothes picked out and my car come over and take me to my well i work from my home but you understand what i mean but i, I, well, you I, can, I that's a choice you had right work from home. i dig the 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 vision of the future i i dig that and i because i think that um we as guests especially younger guests we want less of a passive experience and we want something that's more interactive so I totally get it. I dig it. But um, it is not one of the things that I necessarily love about it, to be honest. Well, I've, I've found a way. It's, it's, um, it's, it's challenging. I don't know if that's the right word I want to use. When, you, when you're there a lot, like Mr. 12 Minutes from Door to Front Gate, Mangello, or if you go down several times. If, you've, if you're just going down, it's your only trip, you go on Spaceship Earth, and you have the experience of picking out your future and making the choices. That It is very cool, and it's fun to watch. But about the 5th, 10th, 20th time you've done that, eh, all right, I know, I'm going to ride the hover train with my cat, and my robot's going to pick my clothes. You know? <laughs> um, something I've done on occasion, which is, I think, kind of a fun... Uh, way to mix it up a little bit and this this of course is if you are afforded the luxury of being able to go on spaceship earth lots and lots of times and can get away with doing something like this um in the beginning of the uh as the attraction starts out your first choice is what language do you want and just for giggles i'll pick japanese or something now, I have no idea what's going on in the rest of the attraction, Not, but I pretty much had the script memorized, so I don't need it. I, I know the Phoenicians did something that we're going to talk about <laughs> later and, and all that. But the fun comes when you start the interactive stuff and it's all in uh, Japanese or French or some other language you don't understand. And you have no idea what's on the screen. So you're just pushing random buttons. And um, it's a neat way to mix it up to see a different – uh, outcome of your future because I've, I've really tried to pick something else every time I go on and I guess I must have that same mindset because I keep picking the same things when the choices are posed to me but um, if you truly just do it randomly and pick another language I've, I've gone skiing I broke my arm I've gone surfing and <laughs> painted board you know like stuff I never probably would have picked if I had understood what I was actually doing so it's kind of fun to fool yourself and uh, just randomly hit or close your eyes for all I know and hit buttons and see what see what magic they can come up with for you and see what your future is like. Is that is that one of the things you love? Is that is that did you just add? Did you just double up on your first one? Sort of. Sort of? That, that's okay. Yeah. You're allowed to do that. No, I mean I like the, the inner. It, it, I don't know. The interactivity is. Uh, I agree. I, I think I if they should continue with the interactivity. I would like to see an update to it. 
I'd love that seems it, it always struck me as more of a well there's a pre-show cue while you're in line thing you know like at uh, sword and stuff like that but uh, I don't know I want my city back that's all I want I Give me the interactive stuff. That's fine. But say and look up and see your future. And there's the city. That, well, I want I, I'm city. sure we're going to cover other things that we miss about I'm sure Spaceship Earth as well. Now, now, remember, though, this was top 10 things <clears throat> that we love. We love about Spaceship Earth. So. And so I, when I go through my list, I am not going through it. I, I'm going to start off not necessarily with the thing that I love the most, but I'm going to start literally and figuratively at the beginning to something that I think that I personally love, um, I think is overlooked and something that I wish I could, I, I love it so much. I wish, I wish I could replicate it in an obviously much smaller version in my home. And that would be the entrance mural. Oh. Just as you are finishing through the exterior queue, there's a, hopefully you've noticed the large mural on the wall. It's 24 feet by 18 feet. You can't miss it. Um, just before you get to the interior load area. Uh, it was created by Italian artist Claudio Mazzoli. It took him two months to create it. And if you look carefully at it, and, and w- during those times when it is low season and there's nobody maybe behind you, I, I invite you to stop and really get a close look at it because it reflects your journey in the attraction itself. You see the development of communication over time. Um, the, the most prominent images obviously are the cavemen at the bottom and then to the future, the, the spacemen uh, with the satellite up on top. But if you look behind them, all of you'll, the Phoenicians are there. You'll see, you know, um, mm-hmm. the Egyptians are there. You'll go through all of those different scenes. Um, what I like about it, too, is um, it wasn't just Mazzoli's interpretation like NASA actually worked with him and the Imagineers to make sure that the information on the spaceship and the satellites was as relatively accurate as it could be. Uh, there's, do you know where the hidden Mickey? Of course you do. But do you know where the hidden Mickey of is? Of course I do. Where? It's three feet up and two, <laughs> two feet, 12 inches to the right, just beneath the guy's foot, but right next to the little star pattern that looks like it's funny because that's actually not even close just do the opposite of that so if you look on the you're such a clown if you look (laughs) on the satellite um the large satellite just to the left of the large satellite dish there's a number uh written uh vertically two three five zero the numbers are written in red except for the three and if you sort of tilt your head to the right you'll see that the inside of the three actually looks like the the uh, classic tricircle hidden Mickey. So I think it's deliberate that the three was uh, set off in terms of the colors to make sure that it stands out and you're able to see it. I'll look for it. That's awesome. But that I don't, reminds, I, I'm sorry. It does rem, uh, I'm sorry. That, that reminds me, um, speaking of hidden Mickeys and, and secrets and whatnot, when the um, attraction was redone, I, I think it was for this this latest uh, rendition. I remember one of the jo- one of the happy moments I had. No, I had many. I do love the attraction, but one of my uh, things I remember is the first time I rode through it. The Islamic scene. This might have been there all along, but I remember seeing this for the first time. 
and I feel like it was put in at that time, is the hidden Mickey that is formed by the scrolls that stick out from the library shelves as you go past. Mm. And I remember seeing that. Um, I was aware of the other ones at the time, the the paint rings on the artist table, the... I hear tales of one on the monks page still for the life of me. I still can't. I see a smudge. I, don't I can't. Know. Yeah, I can't see that. But um, I knew about that one, but I didn't know about the scrolls. And as best I remember that, that that was new to that version of Spaceship Earth. And or maybe I just never saw it the whole time. But I remember seeing it. Uh, there's something really cool about finding. We talked about Hidden Mickey so many times, but. When you know where they are and you and you look at it and you find it, that's cool. Like when we all go next time, we're going to look at the mural and look for that three, like you said, and we'll all go, wow, Lou was right. He's a genius. <laughs> and But when you see one that you discovered and you know, it, it's like your personal find, it's, it's a really cool thing. And I remember seeing that one. I love pointing it out to people. Um, I remember – running this my computer and sending steve barrett and i found one i found one i found one he said yeah i know about that but uh nonetheless i, I do remember that as a very peculiar personal strange moment i have in spaceship yes and that doesn't peculiar... count as my that doesn't count as my next of course it doesn't all right I'm so what's next on your list of, of things that you love all right i warned you i was gonna do this <laughs> i'm gonna retell the story i probably told before but what do we say on the top tens shows here? Uh, go go with me here or oh. you're too chicken to ride. Oh, wait a minute. Um, no, this is a go. This is a go with me here. One. Um, the uh, of the scenes now, since I don't have the city of the future now as my favorite scene on Spaceship Earth. Um, the question is, what is my favorite scene now? And I actually pose that question to you, which you can get to. Um, and. Uh, I'd have to think about it. I'm not sure what my favorite scene. One of my favorites, though, I will say, is the Apollo moon landing scene with the family uh, from 1969. I got that right, right? <laughs> um, I was alive. It's my favorite I scene. I don't know. I don't know when it takes place, but it's my I favorite know. scene. <laughs> but anyway, that uh, looking at it, uh, it's it's cool to look at. But there's there's a couple hidden things in there which are pretty neat. Um, one of which is the mousetrap game, ha, ha, ha. Um, speaking of hidden Mickeys behind the couch. Um, the other isn't there anymore, um, but it's still neat to see uh, in a way. It, it's I'm talking about the stack of records. Now, now kids, and actually, I can't say this because vinyl's <laughs> coming back, Lou. So I, My really, daughter has a record player. So. I know. We can't make a joke out of this anymore. Remember when we had these 12-inch black discs and we used to put a needle on them? I'll tell you about my DJ days one of these days. Uh, uh, I have the book. So, <laughs> it, so anyway, there's a stack of records near the TV, which today um, is – I've seen it be Pinocchio or Mary Poppins. It, it might uh, – swap here and there. I think it was Mary Poppins last time I saw it. But uh, a few years ago, it was and had been for a long time a Beatles record. And some of you may have sleuthed out. I'm a big Beatles fan over the years that we've done this show. And so that particular detail caught my eye and I thought, wow, that's really cool, you know. But the more I looked at it, the more I was trying to think, well, what album is that? Because I kind of know the albums and it's not one of them. And I look. It's it, it. It was an album. Just said the Beatles with the drop T, and it wasn't 
one of the, it wasn't Sergeant Pepper, it wasn't Abbey Road, it wasn't any of those. So I figured, well, it must be something they put together, but this scene takes place when the Beatles were still around. But after much sleuthing, I finally, finally found that it was an album cover, uh, a compilation album that was put together, which was released in 1982. And it turned out to be, that was the closest by date Beatles album released to the opening of Epcot. I'd love to think that it was planned that way, but I'm sure it's just a wild, bizarre coincidence that it happened to turn out that way. And it's not an album that's available anymore. It was actually really hard to find which album cover that was. It took a lot of looking of out-of-print compilation albums and stuff. But but that was that was a cool detail. I'm going to stick to my guns that it was a deliberate tribute to the opening of Epcot mixed in with a scene of combining when the band was around and it actually existed and tying that into the history of Epcot itself. Hey, it's a stretch, but I, I'll, I'll give the Imagineers the benefit of the doubt and say they knew it every step of the way. So I'm, uh, I'm going to, I'll, 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 I'll take that as a tribute. I'll, I'll I'm with yes. you. I'll take that as a, uh, as a tribute. It wasn't necessarily meant to be, or it was an error. It was somebody just goofed. And well, just... that's <laughs> no, <right. laughs> Oops. That album actually wasn't out in 1960. So, all right, so here's a trivia question for you. Yeah, oh Let's dear. Let's see how well you pay attention as long as we're talking about albums and artists from the 1970s. I know. What other album, whose other album and photo on the wall I can know. you find inside Spaceship Earth? Well, my favorite now is of the scene that comes right after that, I think. And that would be the poster of Fleetwood Mac. Look at you, baby. In the garage of Steve Jobs-Wozniak, whoever that is. <laughs> As a nod to the Mac that he's inventing right now. So Look uh, at you. Look cool. at you. So, yeah. Now, there's a whole Beatles Apple, Apple computer thing I can get into. But I, well, I you know what? It's actually one of the things. I, I love that scene. Um, I love that scene for a variety of reasons. The small details <laughs> that I have tried to photograph over the years um, are wonderful. Yeah. Um, there's some really, really, there's a couple of like Mouser electronics in there. Um, there's a Mickey Mouse sticker in there. There's a lot of le neat little details. And from day one of the opening of Spaceship Earth, and I guess I'll roll this into one of the things that I love, is... Jobs, not jobs, was, not was. This young man working in his garage, sort of representing the creation of what we now know as the personal computer, the debate raged on very early on. Clearly, this must be Steve Jobs because of his relationship with Disney prior to his passing. Other people <laughs> says, well, that's fine, but it, it, it looks a lot more like was than it does jobs and it would almost make more sense for it to be Wozniak because of if you look at his build he's got you know uh, he's he's a he's a, a much bigger broader guy than jobs was but the hair and the, the sideburns looks like it could be from one and the other and i think the answer the the official well the official answer is the one that i go with and it's the one that i'm most comfortable with is that I think this is really, uh, it's not that it's necessarily an amalgam of the two, but I think that it's neither. 
right? So the Imagineer said, look, it's an homage, it's an homage to oh, wow. the innovation that happened not just in the Waz Jobs garage, but in garages throughout California, right? Think about not just Apple, but places like, you know, Hewlett Packard, same thing. It came from the garage. It came from kitchen tables. It came from, you know, living rooms. All those different inventions helped to create not just the personal computer, but the personal computing revolution. And the actual script talks about this A garage in California where young people with a passion for shaping the future put the power of the computer in everybody's hand. So I think it's meant to be a not-so-subtle uh, tribute to both the Apple founders for, merged into a single non-existent imaginary founder rather than trying to pick um, one or the others. Um, the, you know, the Imagineers also tell you, well, we thought about the scene long before, you know, um, any sort of, um, uh, sale of Pixar to Disney took place. Uh, and plus, if you look, speaking, of, if you look at the details again, throughout the scene there, and I think it's very deliberate that there are some non-Apple s- stuff in there as well. So there is a, um, there's a, an old Microsoft company photo that's on the wall uh, almost to the front to this you know directly in front of but a little off to the side of the jobs was character so i love the detail i love the subtle slash not so subtle tribute without actually trying to indicate a specific person because i think there's a lot of people that it represents the hewlett's and the packards and the wazes and the jobs and everybody else that sort of and continues to start their their uh, businesses and entrepreneurial ventures in their garages. Could be you. <laughs> Trust me. Well, you know what? <laughs> it, it, I remember. Well, if it wasn't in my garage, but if it was in the guest bedroom at my parents' house in in New Jersey, uh, it looked a lot kind of like that. It, Lou Mangello by himself, not a girl in sight. That was me on that oh. scene. Is Lou Mangello on Saturday night? <laughs> All right. Now, actually, you know, it, it, this is such a non-top ten show. I'm just feeling it because um, I'm just I'm making a statement here. It's not even a top ten. I was just reminded when you were talking about the scene with the two kids video conferencing. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm thinking that the one distinction that the latest refurbishment renovation did was put more of a firm dividing line between the past and the future. And I, I remember like that scene, like with Carousel of Progress, you have um, the challenge of predicting the future uh, without it becoming the past as soon as you make it. And then it's dated and all, all of a sudden. And I, I, you can think of terms of in the incarnation before this with that scene, that was a glimpse into the future right there. Whereas everything else was obviously from the past, so um, this was before you you had the grand reveal of the Earth and then journey downward. Um, and as you said, right now that's that's not a future thing anymore. You can do that now. And um, a lot of the scenes I'm remembering the the small diorama scenes from the older attraction are also show things we can do now. The the mother singing. A lullaby to her daughter via video from far away. Well, we can do that now. Um, um, so it, 
it's kind of interesting. Like right, right now that your descent to the top of spaceship Earth firmly ends. You're still in the past. Dude. There, you haven't gotten a glimpse of the future yet. And now you're on the way down and clearly seeing your future as it's predicted. So I don't know what I'm saying. I, I guess they designed, <laughs> they meant it that way. And there's more of a firm divide. Like, I, cause I think if that scene were always still in there, that would, that would be a scene that would kind of go along with the Christmas scene in Carousel of Progress. People be looking at that and go, well, that's not the future anymore. And that's not actually how you do it. And it should be more updated and all that. But, um, well, and I so would say having, that, that, that to that point, right. The, 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 the Paramount, when you get to the top of Spaceship Earth and you are about to make your descent, I, part of the reason why I loved the Irons and the Cronkite version is because there was a moment, you know, there was a moment that he hits, you know, he on cue, he hits Spaceship Earth, your vehicle turns around and there's the reveal of this, you know, cavernous area and space. And I don't think it's as powerful or impactful with the Judy Dench version. I don't think that's her fault. I just think it's the way it was written. Um, obviously, her her delivery is different than the Irons one. But that's one of the things I love in that miss because there was a, a palpable moment, and the music hit it, and he hit it, and it was it like it was bang all at the same time. And I just didn't feel I got that same like emotional impact that I did before. Yeah. Well, we clearly missed the ending and uh, well, not even the ending, the second half, um, or to the point. And yeah, I agree. I, I remember, I think one of our shows was our top 10 wow moments. And that was one of them. The, mm-hmm. the grand reveal of earth and the, and the stars, especially before when, when you're right, that the timing of that, as you turned right into it on this boom, our spaceship earth was right. It. And yeah, I guess the timing's off a little bit. It does remind me of a fun game uh, my daughter and I used to play. We still, I think she still plays it, actually. Um, when you turn around and you get the, on top of the narration, you get the attention, time travelers, your vehicles turning around for your journey there. We would always count how many we could hear before it begot, it became indecipherable as you picked up the narration from the next scene and so forth. So it's kind of as it, as it, as you trailed away and the stars would vanish in the distance and you, you'd hear attention, John, attention. Yeah. That, that was always fun. <laughs> and you can fe- still do your that. Your female but... announcer, um, is, is better than your Jeremy Irons. Just so you know. Wow. Wow. Well, your Judy Dench rocked over your Walter Cronkite. We'll get to the Phoenicians. Can we? Is that? Uh, Can we do I'm, it now? Go wherever you want to go. Go ahead. My favorite scene in the Spaceship Earth from time beginning is the Phoenician scene, where people from all around the world can now they're we're trading, we're selling, we're but how can we? We're from different places. We talk different ways. Well, now we can because we have a common alphabet. And thank goodness for the Phoenicians as they've been credited by Judy Dench and Wikipedia invented the <laughs> alphabet for all of us to enjoy. And I don't know why you have such a problem acknowledging that. I don't know what the Phoenicians did to you. <laughs> it's not the Phoenicians. I'll go on Wikipedia right now and look it up. Oh, and you well, know as, long as, as long it's, as you're on Wikipedia, true. then I'm sure, obviously um, – I'm not kidding. I'm going right now. Go ahead. You make your case. I'm, I'm happy. It, you, it speaks volumes that Wikipedia 
um, is your sort of go-to for for uh, verification? It's Wikipedia, oh. not Wikipedia. Oh, era. Oh, the protoconate <laughs> script, later known as the Phoenician <laughs> alphabet, is a fully phonemic script. It's I am right not here. debating the first sentence. I am not debating the the Phoenicians and their <laughs> alphabet. Yes, I I, I think the. the it may have been the first widely used alphabet, but I believe that there were other alphabetic writing systems that were in place, possibly elsewhere on the planet. They did not have Wikipedia back then, so it might have been tough to determine, you know, again, we're what, 15th century BC, whatever it is, um, but... You know, I, I'm I'm not so sure that, um, and I understand that that modern, uh, you know, Latins and Greeks and and other languages derive from the original Phoenicians. But I do believe, and I'm not certainly I'm not a linguist. I don't I don't claim to be the expert. I think where my <laughs> issue really lies, to me, Foster, is. Yeah. Because the first time I heard it, I remember the day. This is my dream sequence. In 2007, when I heard this, they create a common, a simple common alphabet. I'm okay with that. Adaptable to most languages. Okay with that too. Remember how easy it was to learn your ABCs? Thank the Phoenicians. They invented them. Uh. I just, again, I. You know, Lou, I'm a positive guy. It's not my top 10 non-favorite lines in Walt Disney World. That, wow. the remember how, I, I just, I understand it was it was going for a younger audience. Um, I just, it was the, the delivery and the scripting of it. And if, if you, the person who wrote the script is listening, I am, I am sincerely apologize. Um, but it's, it's not my favorite, it's not my favorite line. Oh, I I just have never heard you so passionately angry about <laughs> no, something. No, no, I'm not angry. I'm not angry. <laughs> You're bad. I, you you spit on Spaceship Earth every time we go by it. And <laughs> no, Phoenicians every time. I, I I don't understand what they did. It's just the line in an attraction. My goodness. I'm. What's I, I, that? I think I think because it's still it, it's there's a a, a nostalgia <laughs> of missing Jeremy Irons. Okay. Well, what was what? All right. What was this lines that he read during that sequence? Do you remember? Of course I do. Um, Go so, hit it in your best, Jeremy. <laughs> no, I, I can't. Um, but I remember. I'll, I'll do. I'll do Judy's line in, in Phoenician. Okay. So and, and because the the again, it's the it's the the. This is what Jeremy Irons' line was. Phoenician merchants established the earliest commercial hideways, trading goods and information at distant ports of call. To aid in record keeping, they created the first common alphabet and shared this new tool across the Mediterranean. I just tend to prefer that than, do you remember how easy it was to learn your ABCs? Actually, no, I don't. But thank the Phoenicians, they invented it. Hmm. Do you feel like you're being spoken down to or 
<laughs> I feel like I'm on the couch. Tell me about your childhood. Tell me about your mother, Lou. Why don't you what, like? What I feel, I I I feel that you're angry. I'm Are not, you angry? I am not angry. Listen, I am. It, it takes a lot to get me. I am not an angry person. Uh, I'm not well, angry about it at all. It's it, but it's a listen. If this is the most heated debate that I get into, then man, that's, I'm having a good day, right? Well, they um, invented them, so that was, <laughs> and maybe they oh, did. Man, and and if you are a linguist listening, um, you know, it's we're just have obviously we're just having fun. I don't have a horse in the race one way or the other, the Phoenicians or or anybody else. So, I will I will tell you according to the. Wikipedia ironclad law that is Wikipedia. I do see in this narrow sense of the word, the first true alphabet was the Greeks, the, the Greek. alphabet. Right. Mm. I, I mean, mm. that's what I'm saying. But they didn't have ABC. They had. Right. They had, oh, oh, but we should move on. Probably. <laughs> All right. So it, was that you or was that me? That was me having fun at your expense. Okay. Uh, <laughs> Well then, go ahead. Why don't Why don't I let you go next? What, oh, what's... you know what? You know, let's 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 talk about what it is. We're all thinking it's the big ball. Let's talk about the big ball because that's if when you're talking about Disney with uh, somebody, family, friends, people you work with, and you speak of Epcot, invariably the conversation will turn to, oh, that's the place with the golf ball or the shiny ball or the silver ball it's or whatever. The disco. It's not a golf the ball. Disco it's a disco ball. ball. Or, or the Death Star, or whatever you want to call it. <laughs> um, the, uh, and uh, again, a lot of people who have never been to Disney are oftentimes surprised. There's, you can actually go in there. There's an attraction. And that's when I tell them there's triple loops and flames of death. But they get over it and they go on anyway. But um, it's uh, – so my one of my favorite things about Spaceship Earth is the iconicness that – it is. It's like Cinderella Castle is to Magic Kingdom and Walt Disney World. Spaceship Earth Sphere is the perfect symbol for Epcot and uh, as a vision of the the future, the promise of innovation, of in, invention of technology, and the wonderment of discovery. This seeing the space, and I remember the first time I saw it, the first time i was at disney in recent year back in the 90s is when this was that was the first thing i saw as we were driving to old key west on the magic bus uh, we, went, we went by epcot and i saw the sphere and it was so oh it was so cool and it is so cool to look at today um there's lots of it's it's a great source of trivia questions how many panels are on it how many panels are on it are you asking me? Come on. I'm putting you on the spot. So Let's there's go. 954 triangular panels, which actually are made up of 11,324 individual pa- individual triangles that are, are put together on the 954 panels. You go. Fantastic. You know, I wrote a trivia. I wrote I two trivia books about right. Walt Disney World. Where? Where do you think I learned all this stuff? <laughs> and it's, uh, I don't know, but, but, but tank is the dithyahedron something or other. Anyway, actually, I was kind of interested in that because it's been... Um, Variously described in different places as being the that name. I'm horribly mangling. Do you know how to pronounce that correctly, Mister Mangello? The Alucobond? No, the t- t- <laughs> <laughs> Hold on, I'm going to get this right. 
mathematicians everywhere are screaming a uh, pentacus dodecahedron. Don't hurt yourself. Yeah, that one hurt. But I actually was looking into that as uh, I did a little piece for it in Celebrations once uh, exploring the talk. I, I kind of thought that sounded like a dinosaur. I thought, thought I could match the two up. But as, if you dig into it a little bit, it's uh, it's an it's a little piece of trivia I've heard throughout the years that it is that shape mathematically. But it's it is, but it isn't. It's sort of based on it's a derivative of a dodecahedron, which is a derivative of a pentagonal pyramid, which is uh, whatever. But but whatever it is, it's so freaking cool to look at. Um, and I I think the most one of the most amazing things about the exterior spaceship Earth, and I think we might have talked about this before too, is surprise how colorful it is. Mm-hmm. And it's one of the, well, I, I was going to say it's one of the great nighttime transformations, but we could apply that to so many things that we have. But the transformation at night of spaceship Earth is simply breathtaking. I mean, by day, it's it's a wonder to look at. It's 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 amazing to look up and see uh, all those panels put together, whether you're far away, whether you're right underneath it, it's spectacular. Um, but during the day, it's uh, various shades of gray, depending on where the panels are in relation to the sun and shadow and whatnot. But when the sun comes down, all of a sudden, Spaceship Earth is lit up in these most brilliant, beautiful colors, blues and oranges, and um, it becomes a, a wondrous an even more wondrous sight to look at, a wonderful photographic subject, even for the novice photographer, because it's so easy to find a place to sit your camera, put it down, and get a really beautiful shot of Spaceship Earth all lit up. And uh, it, it's, it, oddly enough, I, I never thought of it when I first saw it, but it's used as a backdrop for various uh, laser effects. Uh, as you walk out, you'll say goodnight to you. It used to say Siemens on it. Um, I don't know if it, uh, at the holidays, it'll say Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, all that. Um, it can transform into Mike Wazowski. It can transform into the Death Star. Um, uh, I think last time I was there, was tracing laser was tracing out the continents of the world as if it were spaceship Earth, the actual Earth. Um, it's just the dome itself, or the sphere itself, is such a spectacular structure in its own right, uh, forgetting the attraction inside. That it's such the an epitome of Epcot, and there's a whole story behind it. We, you could, and you probably have done hours about talking about how it uh, was designed and who was involved and how it was put together. Uh, I love the little piece of trivia that it's actually two halves stuck together in the middle and not a sphere sitting on stilts, as you might think. But um, again, it's such an iconic structure, um, like every park has, just like Tree of Life, just like Cinderella Castle whatever Hollywood Studios icon will be in the future. Um, it's the perfect image for Epcot. And we can talk about the merits of the Mickey Mouse wand hand at the Millennium. I hear people groaning across the internet. I hear <laughs> or the we internet. cannot, or we can maybe not talk about it. <laughs> I didn't mind it so much. But, uh, no, I didn't but that, that's how iconic it, it is and how, how special that structure is. Is When that came, uh, we're talking about Anybody who doesn't know, there was a for the Millennium Celebration a giant Mickey Mouse hand. I'm gesturing with my hands here as if you can actually see me. By the way, towered over Spaceship Earth to 200 and some odd feet. I think making that the tallest thing at Disney 
ever, save for the characters in Fight Balloon. Would that be right? I don't know. Who knows? <laughs> Same um, with authority. That's fine. <laughs> it did. It uh, much like the arrival of Starbucks on Main Street USA. It put a divisive line down. People either loved it or they did not. It, I don't want to say <laughs> they, but it it was uh, tantamount to putting birthday frosting and candles on the castle, and they were never do. Oh wait a minute, they did. Um, <laughs> but that that's how iconic and special this is to many people so um and it's one of my favorite things to just marvel at and look at every time i do so this too was on my list um specifically really tim less of for its uh, iconic merits than the look it's an engineering masterpiece right and i think we we know a lot about the story about how it ended up coming to be you know build they, they couldn't they they realized that they could not make this ball stand on legs uh, and then house the attraction inside. They came up with the concept of sort of making the table and then building the attraction on top of the table. You talked a lot about the engineering of it in terms of it's, again, it's not a perfect circle, right? It's about, you know, uh, 180 by 165. So it's not a perfect circle. Interestingly, interestingly enough, at its highest point, it's just seven feet shorter than Cinderella Castle, right? To sort of give you an idea of how they compare. But when you think about, look, it took more than two years to build this, right? And if you think about the size of it, and I think sometimes we don't realize because we're so close to it, there's 2.2 million cubic feet of space inside, right? Making it the largest freestanding sphere in the world. Uh, So it's, monstrous right i think you talked about how it's not just a single sphere but there's one you know what we see is the outer shell but the attraction inside is housed inside a second interior shell that contains you know all of the the ride scenes and the ride track and things like that um if you look at the the six legs themselves they're sunk into the ground 160 feet and if you know Florida and you love Florida, you know we don't have basements here, much to my chagrin, because the water table is so high. So in order for them to get this structure down to a part, well, they'll, they'll hit solid earth. I mean, 160 feet, it's, it's as deep as it is tall. So imagine when you look at, at Spaceship Earth, how tall it is, imagine that those pylons are going down an equal amount of of distance into the ground because they have to hold up not the sphere but they've got to sort of hold up that that platform that platform of trusses where you know so really that that platform is at about the 25 percent mark and then the upper 75 percent of the sphere actually is supported on top of that by trusses um you know i'm sure we know all about the alucoban coating and how it was designed Mm. to have the um uh, the, the the little trenches in it so that the rainwater wouldn't fall down on you. It falls onto the surface, collected into the gutters, and then routed to run off into World Showcase Lagoon. Like, it not only keeps you dry, but they actually do something with the... I mean, again, I think just brilliant um, engineering and imagineering that went into the creation of it, not to mention the fact that they also have 
you know, a self-contained ride system inside. So 1982, Lou Mangiello is, 2017, Lou Mangiello is equally in awe of the engineering of, of Spaceship Earth as 1982 Lou Mangiello was the first time he saw it. I dig it. But let, let's talk about, well, you talk about engineering, which is fantastic. But let's talk about the imagineering and go, let's go back inside. Let's have some fun, shall we? But <laughs> <laughs> so one of the, the – we talked about the latest renovation and things we um, wish they would have kept or done differently. But I will give them full standing flag-waving ovations for the animatronics that were added and enhanced in that renovation. And that struck me right away the first time I rode through. Um, the animatronics previous to that were wonderful, of course, and they were a behold to look at. But the new crop that came to populate the attraction, these were unbelievable. And I remember particularly uh, the Egyptian scene mm -hmm. uh, struck out as uh, I noticed, oh, oh, wow, they're moving. They're really moving. This is fantastic. Um, and every, pretty much every scene after that, it was so enhanced, uh, made so much better and so enhanced by the incredible new technology that came to the animatronics that were put in at that time. Uh, even, uh, Michelangelo's hand painting the wall, which before was kind of just, you know, an arm moving sort of back and forth, but now there's uh, fluidity of movement. You can see you know subtleties of brushing strokes and whatnot and uh, but just every scene is, is filled with um um the new tech at the time the new technology which greatly enhanced the first part of it that that's actually what i took away the first time i write it love 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 the beginning and all the new parts just which they had kept the last part the same but uh but but full marks to what they did um into the scenes uh, in the first part of the attraction, which were great, and they're still great, and they were made even better with all the new technology they infused into it. Well, it's interesting that you say that because the technology in a couple of different ways, specifically audio animatronics, was on my list because huh. Disney, not only does no good idea ever die at Disney, but... Neither do used audio animatronics. Mm -hmm. um, and if you look carefully, um, if you are a uh, an American uh, history buff and you love Hall of Presidents and you love American Adventure and you just can't get enough of Teddy Roosevelt and William Howard Taft and, <laughs> and you know Teddy uh, Zachary Taylor, you can see them many times over inside Spaceship Earth. Um, because so many of the, not just the audio animatronic figures themselves, but the molds and the models for the faces. And there's actually a list that goes back to 1982 of animatronic figures and faces. So sometimes if you look through, some of them are a little bit easier to see. So for example, um, in the, uh, well, so... If you go to um, the Egyptian priest that's sitting, um, not the guy that's pounding reeds flat, but the guy that's telling him to go pound the reeds flat, <laughs> that's William Taft, right? And his figure obviously is in 
the Hall of Presidents. Zachary Taylor is one of the Roman centurions. Teddy Roosevelt is a, is a Roman senator. Uh, Franklin Pierce is one of the scholars. Uh, John Tyler is in there as well. John Adams is the writing monk. Um, Andrew Jackson is one of the uh, printing press guys who's actually pulling the the, tra- the uh, tray alongside Andrew Carnegie from the American <laughs> Adventure. Uh, Dwight Eisenhower, you might not realize, is a mandolin player. Um, Matthew uh-huh. Brady is a telegraph operator. So you'll see a lot of these are repeats of, of the faces that are used. Obviously, you know, when you see... Um, uh, you know, Dwight Eisenhower playing the lute, his hair and his costume is very different. So you don't make the connection. But the next time you go and see American Adventure Hall of Presidents and go to Spaceship Earth, try and see if you could match up um, some of the the different figures. I think it's the, the ones that I think the, the um, John Adams and Andrew Jackson are ones that are, are relatively um, easily recognizable. Well, I hasten to add. Do this at your own peril because you may, once you see it, you can't, you can't. Un- unsee it. <laughs> so it may, it, it will forever be unsettling to see John Adams toiling away at the monk's table. No, that, 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 that is uh, very interesting. Yeah, I did. I actually, I knew there were some remodels. I didn't know there were quite that many. So. Yeah, there's a. You ruined pretty much every scene <laughs> for me now. There's so. about fifteen or so that are um, that are used, and obviously when they did the refurb years ago, I think I think William Henry Harrison was one of the Greek scholars. I'm not sure if he is anymore. Um, so there you go. Uh, back to me. Back to you. It is back to me. Uh, we we sort of covered this before in a, one of our very, very first top tens. But, Lou, Spaceship Earth really smells. <laughs> and it's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for your own punchline in there, but... <laughs> no, I... Uh, there's, there are a couple different points to this um when, when we talk about we we one of our first shows with top 10 smells of course still a favorite um and one of mine always was the rome burning scene and the, you you smell the burning embers and it always reminded me i don't know why of whispering canyon cafe and the wilderness lodge and <laughs> i don't know but um i you, you look forward to it it's not this I, 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 no no Epcot experience is right unless I've gotten on Spaceship Earth and I smell that woodsy smell. Uh, but it also occurred to me the last few times I've been on there, um, as we we talked about it in the show. I remember I, I, I was more on the side of the Rome burning scene and things like that. Uh, but you were also talking about things like the smell of the monorail and the musty water and pirates and whatnot. And I realized as we boarded Spaceship Earth. Um, I never really noticed, but it does have uh, uh, an aroma to it of, and it, it's hard to describe. It's a mechanical, it's a monorail-ish kind of thing. Um, and I might have noticed it more because we actually boarded, I was with someone with a scooter. So we went, when you're uh, boarding that way, you go in uh, through the exit more or less. So you get, you get a longer 
time to spend on the um, boarding turntable, so to speak. So I, last few times I've been there, I've been there a lot longer than you normally would be, and I really noticed that more. And having been on it so many times, and having been on it uh, many, many years ago, it does it's it's doing what now that when you have that smell of the monorail or or the smell of a resort or something it it smell being a very powerful sense takes you back um like bam like anton ego going right back to when he was a child and <laughs> bruising his knee on the that makes me cry every time but um uh the i i picked up on that that it has it's the it's the spaceship earth scent i want to bottle it i want to bring it home i want to spray it on my house um, and I'll go to Whispering Canyon when I want some barbecue. I could just see you, you know, inviting over a young a young lady one evening and saying, you know, mm-hmm. come Smell on, let me let me light some candles, and you know, you're trying to set the mood, and you give her Rome burning. You need a very special lady in your or life. The, the smell of oils and metal and steel and that mix of whatever chemicals. whatever works. For you. Ah, it's good. Like I said. So, um, it's good. <laughs> I I'm going to I'm I'm going to come back to, um to to that specific topic, um as okay. I as I come to the end of my list. But what you mentioned there made me think of something that I love. Look, one of the things that that I particularly love and recognize and appreciate is not just the level of detail, but the authenticity of what goes in. Liberty Square, when I was working on my audio tour, really was an eye-opening experience for me in terms of just how granular the detail is. Nothing was left um, to chance or interpretation. It was, look, if you've heard any of my audio tours, the the, the light the, the light bulb on Main Street, um, and I'll tease you with that, the light bulb on Main Street to me, inside the, the, the car barn, is the the quintessential example of everything speaks and not everybody might see it, but it needs to be accurate. And that's exactly what they did here. We go through these many scenes at a relatively quick pace. What are we paying attention to? We're paying attention to the narration. We're paying attention to the audio animatronics. We're paying attention to the vignettes as a whole. What we don't necessarily see, and nobody points out, and there is no great big book of Imagineering, there is no guidebook that goes along with the attractions, is just how detailed some of those things are. So, for example, you're talking about the scene of Rome burning. What are we paying attention to? The burning embers, the smell, what scene is coming up next? What we don't necessarily recognize or pay too close attention to is... As you enter that scene, there's an inscription in Latin. For some reason, I took Latin in high school. My mom thought it was going to be much more valuable than typing. See how well that worked <clears throat> out for me. But yeah. it actually is authentic. It comes from the 12 tables of Roman law that were sort of the foundation of a lot of the Roman laws that were written on bronze tablets and they were they were displayed so everybody can see them. And there's even graffiti on the walls um, in that fall of Rome scene that was graffiti that was taken from the walls of ancient Pompeii. And it, it came from a, a collection entitled Loves and, Loves and Lovers of Ancient Pompeii. And the, the, the graffiti itself is accurate to what's there. The same way 
that the hieroglyphs and the you know Anubis and all of, those are incredibly accurate. And there's translations of those, and and the the hieroglyphs that were chosen for that were very deliberate, right? In the the the, the Pharaoh scene, that was taken. The hieroglyphs on the wall were taken from a letter by a Pharaoh to one of his agents um, in terms of, of you know, listening to all the petitioners and the laws of the land and things like that. The the skulls in the early man scene are of a saber-toothed tiger and a bear, and they were cast from molds of actual animals from a museum in California. And it goes on and on. The Islamic scene, the quadrant that's that the astronomer is holding, who I think is Andrew Jackson, <laughs> it was... Um, modeled after one that was in the Metropolitan Museum of Art. So, it, wait, I know, I know one. Go ahead. Before you give it away, <laughs> the Morse code—they're tapping out. Yes. What are they tapping out? That the final spike was driven in the railroad connecting the continents. <laughs> Is that right? You're right. But right. See? So, but Why are you laughing at but, me? No. <laughs> but even the calendar. Right, the calendar yes. in that telegraph scene from 1867 was a copy of one supplied by the Smithsonian Institute. Right, the switchboard in the telephone scene is a replica of a model from 1898. The music in the Renaissance scene is one that was they they brought in a consultant to um, not only to determine what music should and would have been played there, but to perform it as, as well. That's fine. And I know there's, a, there's so many right. more there's examples the, the, right. of the that. Gutenberg, I mean, it goes, the, the point was, I was trying to illustrate that in each and every scene, yeah. whether it was a major or a minor, minor detail, the accuracy was important because not that everybody is going to see it, but for maybe that one guest in 100,000 that does and recognizes it or looks at it, it needs to be accurate. And that is one of the things that painstaking attention to detail is, is what separates Disney from anyone and everyone else. Well, that you, you, we've talked about it. You've talked it about a lot. You've coined a term for this, which um, – but that, that is – like you said, that's the one, one of the things I love the most about Disney – and especially an attraction like this, is it rewards repeated visits. Um, the more you look at it, the more you'll discover, the deeper you'll go into it. It's not just here's a couple moving figures and a nice picture and we'll move on. There's so much to see. For the first time you see it, it's mesmerizing, it's spectacular, it's, it's awe-inspiring as you go through it. You go through it again, you start picking up um, – on maybe some fun things, a hidden Mickey there, that kind of stuff. But you you keep going and you read more about it, you learn more about it, and you you see the things you were talking about, and you just marvel at all the work and effort that went into this. A scene that you see for a few seconds, and then it's gone. But the it's just a, a another testament to the the dedication and work of the Imagineers and. And the thought that goes into everything you see, um, and Spaceship Bird might might be one of the best examples of it, but far from the only one, which is great, which is what I love. So, so do you have a, or was that your final thing that you love that you love? <clears throat> why Jimmy don't we? Foster? 
why don't we do this? Because I know you got 27. I don't. I have one. Okay. Well, you know what? You know a good way to, to, to start to approach an end to this would be? We're going to say present day Spaceship Earth. Jeremy Irons is not here anymore. Uh, City of the Future is not here anymore. Lou Mangiello, what is your favorite scene in Spaceship Earth? You got to pick one. No hemming, no harm. I have to pick one. Gotta, well, wait a minute. I got to think for a second. Um, That's why this is fun. Well, so I'll sort of think out loud a little bit. Um, no, the Gutenberg Bible scene. Right, hold on. I've got some, you can't think your way through no, the I have whole to, attraction. I, well, no. I, because there's, there's different ones I like for different reasons, right? Um, but like the the Gutenberg Bible scene scares me because the kid in the corner like facing the wall reminds me of the end of the Blair Witch Project so when the kid's facing forward I'm totally cool with it when he's facing the wall it creeps me out um it's not where I thought all right go ahead man it's oh gosh I do love see I like the Roman scene but I don't because I miss East, west, north, and south. All roads led to Rome. East, west, north, and south. All roads led to Rome. And the little animation that used to go yeah. of like the chariot. Yeah. So, by process of elimination, I've been stalling to think. By process of elimination, I'm going to go to the Renaissance. Um, oh. I love the... Um, the, the the Sophocles statue and I love the the music and I love the and I love the, the the painting on the ceiling so I will go the Renaissance all right and like you I will cheat <laughs> my answer uh, I actually I think the uh, Greece scene the scholar scene is probably my favorite scene uh, just because the uh, the nighttime setting um it's just beautiful but it it reminds this is I, i'm going to do a one and a one a but the, the, <laughs> the, the, the and it's better than me knocking out 10 in the process of getting to the one i like but um but i i like just simply from a uh scenery perspective the grease teaching scene is my favorite but right before it is a scene it's not really a scene it's um like you said, from the burning embers scene, if you don't catch it, there's there's a little snippet with the inscription before you get to the Rome scene. Likewise, right around the Phoenician Greece scene, off to the left, there's a scene opposite of the Phoenician merchant scene of a uh, looking across the water at a town in the distance lit up at night, and it's it's not part of his, it's not part of a, a bigger scene um, with anything around it and you're sort of facing the other way as you go by but um, that always struck me I, I think it's it's a beautiful thing to look at it, it's it's with the stars and the lights and everything um, but uh, just to think of how neat it is and how cool it is and how beautiful it looks and it's really just the throwaway thing in the corner that is ordinarily would be empty and if it wasn't there it wouldn't bother you because there's no scene you're going right in the next scene anyway but having that there is like a little nice little surprise. I ch- I'm changing with- my answer. I Uh-oh. take back take back everything Phoenicians. that I. <laughs> You're going Phoenicians. Go Phoenicians. <laughs> I'm not. I'm ah. gonna go 
to the room with the gigantic computer that's not as oh, powerful as yeah, like your you Timex watch for two reasons, right? Because I dig the chick and her uh, funky yeah. hair, and I am convinced. I'm saying this half jokingly, but I am convinced that the dude with the notebook that's leaning into the basket of all the real to real stuff, I'm telling you, that guy is Jerry Lewis. <laughs> hey, lady, that's, I'm telling you, that's who it looks like to that me. That was the best impression. <laughs> Forget the Waz jobs debate. Is it or is it not, Jerry? And listen, if huh. you're listening right. and you're still, you haven't turned it off, the next time you go, you can't forget it now. You go look and see, and you tell me. Now, most people have to look up who Jerry Lewis is, but he's the what? telethon, hey, lady guy. <laughs> I'm telling you, that's who it is. You know, you... <laughs> forget Sid Caesar and pirates. God, I'm showing how old I am. Oh. It, <laughs> that's, it's... You know, you're this, this, I promise. I'm, I'm apologizing right now for the world to hear, or the two people who haven't turned this off yet. I'm apologizing to whoever is going to be sitting in front of me and behind me the next time I go on Spaceship Earth <laughs> and go through that scene. Because thanks to you, Lou Mangiello, they're going to hear this idiot laughing his head off going, hey, lady, right when they go through that scene. And it's your fault. It's not mine. I, I'm, I can't control myself. I'm never going to see that scene the same way again. But I thought you were going to talk about the disco lady more though. I did. I, I, I liked it. I like dis disco the girl. Yellow, the the yellow boots. turtleneck. Yellow, yeah. The big white hoop earrings. I dig it all. I, I dig every part of it. That's what I should have gone for as Halloween this year. Disco lady. That disco, the, the disco girl. You in have the, time. Uh, that's true. I've got I think hours. you could pull off Jerry Lewis computer guy. <laughs> Nobody would get it except you and me and the one other person listening. All right, so I, I'm going to I'm going to wrap this. I there actually, we go. No, no, no. I, oh. There's no sit back, relax. I don't have codicils and appendices and and honorable mentions. What I love about Spaceship Earth and many attractions, but I want to sort of try and tie this neatly in a bow, is like much of Walt Disney World. It is meant to be appreciated in using in, in, in 360 degrees using all five senses. And even inside the attraction, right? Obviously sight, the, the beautiful sets, the audio animatronics we talked about, that painstaking authenticity and the details. I mean, look at the Sistine Chapel. Look at the monk breathing. Look at the, the books, even though you can't see it. The, the sound, right? So we didn't even talk about the music and the Bruce Broughton music, which I love. And by the way, we interviewed him on show 267, if you want to go back and listen. But the, uh, and I really, really, really miss Tomorrow's Child. But the music changes in each era. It, it varies in intensity. So listen to the 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 tones and the melodies and um, the, the music in the Rome burning and the monk scene very different than the invention of the printing press and the evolution of communication as it starts to increase in speed and gets more upbeat. When you get to the, the, that birth of the computer and the Waz jobs, everybody else in there, that amalgam of that person, it gets so much more futuristic and alive and there's all kinds of, you know, sounds and it's, a, it's even the, the, the computer sounds 
is a beautiful, beautiful sort of, of, of cacophony of sounds and music. Um, obviously, we've talked about the narration. Who Look, there's no wrong answer as to whoever your favorite may be. It's probably who you grew up with, that who you relate with as well. Um, the smell, right? We talked about the Rome burning. Pay attention to the incense uh, in the Muslim and Jewish scholar scene. Pay attention to what it smells like. You can almost like smell the 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 arid dirt in the Cro-Magnon scene. Um, and there is a sense of touch. So in that woolly mammoth scene at the very beginning, even that, that sense of wind that you feel, that touch that is being projected onto you, and the touch at the very end, you touch the screen to sort of choose your own ending much like Horizons. I tried, look, there's no eating or drinking on the attraction, so taste is tough, but the electric umbrella with their delicious energy salad or Starbucks is close by as soon as you're done. But it is. It is truly a multi-sensory experience. Um, I think it does a, a wonderful job of making the history interesting and fun and relatable in terms of how we use it today and then what that future is going to look like. And look, that that final scene where we choose our own ending, some of those things are starting to happen now. You know, the self-driving car, the same way we laugh at what 1982's future, vision of the future in Epcot looked like, people will be laughing at the 2000s. Oh, gosh, remember when they had the thing where the car would come pick you up and people are having that discussion in the cars that come pick them up and drive on their own? Um, it, Space Earth continues to be one of my favorite attractions for all these reasons and more. But let's have some fun creating the future, shall we? On your computer screen or your phone or whatever, I want you to answer not a few questions for us, and I'll show you a new world custom made for you, but I want to know what is the thing? Give me the one thing that you love most about Spaceship Earth. It could, there's, there's no wrong answer. It's a purely subjective thing. I would love for you to go to www.radio.com. Click on this week's podcast. You can leave a comment there. Go to facebook.com slash www.radio. You can put it there as well or better yet, call the voicemail. Call the voicemail. Don't do it from Spaceship Earth and don't ruin it for other people. But when <laughs> you get off Spaceship Earth, go, oh my God. Go, hey lady, I saw Jerry Lewis. And then the thing that I love about Spaceship Earth is this. You call 407-900-9391. And then when you're done doing that and you're in the car, as long as you're not driving, or if you're in your self-driving car on your flight back to New Jersey or whatever other foreign country you're going to, Please, I hope that you are looking over the most recent issue of Celebrations Magazine because um, Timmy Foster is toiling like like European monks. Like Matt, did you get your new issue? Of course I did. Do you love it? Uh, listen, Tim, I love every issue. I love everything <laughs> that you do. Your top tens, not so much, but it's yeah, magazine-wise, yeah, yeah. I, I love most of them. Stay with your strength. No, uh, thank you very much. Oh, I have... Big news, though, Lou Mangiello. What's that? Not you're two gonna days ago. You're huh? going to reveal what almost became of Spaceship Earth and Project Gemini? And the yes. huge... You know what? We'll yes. save that for a future show. Uh, but go ahead. All right. Well, let's make do with this then. Uh, <laughs> not, not two days ago, we received the copies of Christmas Memories 3rd Edition, our new collector's book. It is in. 
This is where all the cheers. This is where Lou, you go, yay. Yeah, hey, thanks. lady. <laughs> <laughs> now, our new book, uh, Christmas Memories, which has been on pre-sale for a while, and DW, WDW Radio fans, I thank you for clicking on over and getting your copy. But um, you can certainly still get one. We're still running our pre-sale offer. We're going to keep that going for, oh, I don't know, till Christmas or and beyond. Who knows? But uh, the books are here, so we're shipping them out. Um, I hope everyone loves them. Um, I think they turned out great with the help of some great writers and wonderful, wonderful photographers that helped me out. Could not, as much as I, you think I, I'm like Michelangelo toiling on my back, whatever. <laughs> I, I couldn't do this without so many wonderful people, and they helped make it happen. And I'm so proud of it. So I hope everyone goes to celebrationspress.com and checks it out. It's all of our others, books and magazine itself we're working on uh, the next issue which will have happily ever after on the cover so yippee that'll be fun too well i would and, love it if yeah. you could send me or if i can purchase one of those I, christmas I, issues I, look, do me a favor sign it for me but oh. don't personalize it so after i read it i can give it to somebody as a christmas gift no, I, uh. <laughs> all right i'll buy a few i'll buy a few it's the perfect stocking stuffer if you have giant yeah, stocking if you have giant feet it's, it's the perfect yeah. stocking stuffer <laughs> and i will put a link to celebrations press or just go there right now again assuming i'll go that there now well, and uh, you know not if you're driving please well i will probably make some wonderfully fantastic christmas special offer only for W-d-d-d-d- why can't I say the name of your website? W- Lou's website and <laughs> anybody else who listens. But uh, if we do, I'll, I'll send it all to Lou. Put a magic code up there you can use to get um, books and bundles for lots of. I don't I know. It. We'll do something. I'll give away free candy. We'll, we'll do <laughs> That's a little. We're gonna have a lot left over after as we're taping this pre Halloween. And you like, know what? Too you know, a lot left over. You know what else we would love to do? How about this? If yeah. you have an idea, not you, Tim. I'm not talking to you. But if you, my friend, the listener, if you have an idea for a top 10 you'd like us to do, Ooh. go ahead and email me or call again. Email me, Lou, at www.radio.com. Timmy Foster, you will be back, my friend. Oh, yes, we will. And who knows? Maybe our next top 10 will actually do together in person in Walt Disney World. On in front of the world, you promise you're going to take me somewhere to eat. I promise you. Life. I've got the place it's just a matter of locking in the date and time. All right. Every, everyone heard it. I, I can't wait. You can't wait. We're going to have fun. But Give me one more, Jeremy. Give me a, a little bit, another taste of Jeremy. Give me a line, though. I don't remember any from... Uh, hold on. You're such a wait, I got, I got the... Uh, hold, on, hold on. Can I do it in Liverpoolian? You can do it in whatever your own... This is sort of <clears throat> your interpretive dance of, of Jeremy Irons... Like a grand and miraculous spaceship, a planet has sailed to the universe of time for a brief moment. Wait. It's not Ringo. <laughs> fab. Mark that one. Make it fab. East, west, north, and south. All roads led to Rome. All I remember is on this. Our spaceship. <laughs> In Western Abbey, is more else you get it.
It's time for our Walt Disney World Trivia Question of the Week, where I invite you to test your knowledge of Walt Disney World history or just see how well you pay attention to the details, sometimes in what you see, sometimes in what you hear, every so often maybe even what you taste. If you think you know the answer, you can enter via our online form for a chance to win a Disney prize package. Before we get to this week's question, we're going to go back, review last week's, and select our winner. So last week, we were still covering our adventures by Disney to China, so I figured we would stay in China, and specifically the China Pavilion and Epcot Center, which obviously is meant to represent a lot of different aspects of Chinese culture and history and regions and, of course, food as well. And you enter the pavilion by walking beneath the Zhao Yanmen, which means Gate of the Golden Sun, which is actually a replica of the gate that we saw at the Summer Palace in the Forbidden City in Beijing. As you continue further into the pavilion, you walk down a pathway which was inspired by many of the roadways you'll find in Beijing, although the Imagineers made this one more narrow so it would almost feel as it was a little bit more crowded like modern China. The question for you last week was, what is this street or pathway known as? I want to thank the nearly thousand of you that entered and got this one correct, and maybe either you Googled it, you binged it, you asked Jeeves, or you saw the small plaque on the right-hand side of the street that indicated that this is known as the Street of Good Fortune. So I took all the correct entries, randomly selected one, and again, you were playing for my 102 ways to save money for an at Walt Disney World book, all seven of my virtual audio walking tours of the Magic Kingdom, both of which you can find now on sale at the WDW Radio Shop. You're also going to get a WW Radio Magic Band cover, some stickers, and a pop socket. And I said just for fun, because I was in China, the question was about China, I brought you back a special gift from China, specifically the Hong Kong Disneyland Park. And last week's winner, randomly selected, is... Justin Reynolds. So, Justin, congratulations. I have your shipping information because you used the online form. If you played last week and didn't win, that's okay, because here's your next chance to enter in this week's Walt Disney World Trivia Challenge. So, as I'm recording this show, I'm hungry because Lou Mangiello. So, the question has to be about food, specifically dining in Walt Disney World, and it's simple-ish, because all I need you to do this week is tell me, I need you to name Three restaurants in Walt Disney World theme parks that have indoor seating areas that overlook an attraction, right? And private, the corporate VIP lounges don't count. So what I'm looking for is three restaurants in the Walt Disney World theme parks that have indoor seating areas that actually overlook an attraction. Is that it? You have until Sunday, November 5th at 11.59 p.m., not 12 a.m., 11.59 p.m. to go to www.radio.com. Click on this week's podcast, use the online entry form there, and again, you're going to play for the book, audio tours, magic band cover, the stickers, and the pop socket. So good luck, and have fun. That's going to do it for this week's show. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in this and every week. Also want to thank some of the new and longtime members of the WW Radio Nation family this month, including Caroline Conahan, Amanda Bonner, Brad Peterson, and Josh Anderson. Thanks to all of you who have helped to support the show and be part of the Nation family. If you want to help the show and also get exclusive rewards every month, like scavenger hunts, access to our private Facebook group, personalized magic band covers, logo gear, 
There's backpacks, t-shirts, monthly care packages from Walt Disney World. We do exclusive live video group calls and lots more. You can visit www.radionation.com. And don't forget that a portion of the proceeds of your contributions do go to the Dream Team Project to benefit the Make-A-Wish Foundation of America. Also, don't forget that in addition to the show, please check out the WW Radio blog. We have an amazing team of blog writers creating new content every day. And please join me every Wednesday night for WW Radio Live. I do a live video broadcast and interactive chat on Facebook. Really one of my favorite things to do because it gets us to have a sort of two-way live conversation either while I'm in the home studio or out and about in the parks. Speaking of being out and about in the parks, as much as I love connecting with you guys online, there's nothing that beats a handshake and a hug. That's why I continue to do Meets of the Month every month in Walt Disney World. The next one is going to be Saturday, November 4th from 3 o'clock to 4.30 p.m. That is over Wine and Dine Marathon Weekend for all of those of you who are in town running, walking, cheering, or just eating. It is also during Food and Wine Festival, too. There's a method to my madness. That's why we're going to do it at the Katsura Grill in Japan, in Epcot Center. We'll do it in the lower level seating area closest to the Pagoda. Again, to find out more information, RSVP, let us know that you're coming. It's free. It's family friendly. Come by yourself. Bring the whole tribe. Come early. Stay late. We'd love to just be able to meet you and say hi. Visit the events page at facebook.com slash Radio. Also, speaking of events, Don't forget, there still is room for our cruise to Alaska in June 2018. There are a few cabins remaining still at day one pricing. We were able to lock in and secure, as you know, Disney Cruise Line, as it begins to fill, the pricing goes up. We still have a few cabins left still at day one pricing for what I promise you is the best cruise. Look, Alaska has far and away been my favorite itinerary. That's why we're going back. And we also now have one room left. For our Adventures by Disney Backstage Magic in October 2018, that is the one in California that takes us backstage to Disneyland, California Adventure, the Jim Henson Studios, a little place called Imagineering, lots of other fun surprises and more. To find out more, again, visit facebook.com slash Radio, and you can see a list of all of our events there. I also try and do casual meetups on the road as I travel to speak, and speaking of speaking if i can maybe help speak to your business to your conference to your school um, you can visit lumangelo.com you see a list of topics there that i can customize to your event and to your group and if i could maybe help you turn your passion into your profession with personal mentoring or small group coaching visit lumangelo.com i am actually currently forming a new weekly mastermind group which is going to meet virtually once a week to help you turn that thing that you love into that thing that you do. Again, to find out more, visit lumangelo.com. Click on the coaching tab or just email me if you have any questions. Thanks as always to Becky Mankin, my official and recommended travel provider for all your vacation planning needs. If you're going to World Land or with us on an Adventures by Disney or Cruise, they will not only help you get the best possible prices, all available discounts, which they monitor proactively all the time, but remember, Their services come at no cost to you. Thanks again to Timmy Foster from Celebrations Press. And thanks to you. And as always, my friend, and you, you are my friend. Whether we have met yet or not, you continue to show that to me each and every week. But if all I ask is that if you like the show, please help spread the word. Right? That's how this family, this community will grow 
So let others know about this episode or pick one of your favorites from the nearly 500 that we're coming up on and tweet out that you're listening. Share a link to your favorite episode and tag me on Facebook. And if you can, take just 30 seconds to rate and review the show in iTunes. Because of you, we have more than 1,300 five-star reviews. Would love if you would keep them coming. I want to thank some recent reviewers like Hustino who said, Lou's great. Thank you. Lou's enthusiasm for what he does is infectious and his knowledge is second to none. He has an unmatched ability to tell a story about what he loves each week. C.S. Graham says he gets it, man, and it's wonderful. Short and sweet. I like it. Jedi James, I dig the name, says Lou knows all. Far from, but Lou is so well-informed and so passionate about Disney, and you can feel it every second of the podcast. It's been a truly amazing experience to listen to Lou follow his dream and create the life and business he always wanted while giving us what simply may be the best podcast out there. Period. End of sentence. DJDNRG. Wow, that's the toughest name ever. DJDNRG. You know who you are. Says, it's magic wherever you all go. Lose awesome. Just subscribe and ride along. DJDNRGSO. Softball Girl 55 says, love the show. If you're a Disney fan, you have to listen to this program. And Charles 1111111. Says, outstanding show. Lou has brought more than a podcast to iTunes. He's really helped develop a family of Disney fans through all kinds of weekly content here on iTunes and elsewhere. Beyond the content, he truly will do anything to help you build a brand and chase a dream in any way he can. It's true. Great show, but even a better community. Glad to be a part of it for many years now. Keep up the great work. Charles, thank you. Thanks to everybody who left a rating and review this week and in the past. If you want to leave a review, just search WW Radio on iTunes or go to www.radio.com slash iTunes. I'll give you instructions and a link directly there. And finally, and most importantly, happy Halloween. No, well, I mean, happy Halloween, but most importantly, thank you, thank you, thank you. I love and appreciate you, and I mean that sincerely. And if there is any way that I can help you find that thing that you want to do and and turn your passion into your profession or any way that I can help you with an upcoming trip, please let me know. And whatever it is that you're doing or whatever it is that you want to do, just start doing it. Because if you're waiting for everything to be perfect, look, if you're waiting for every light to turn green, you're never going to go. Just start and keep moving forward. I hope that you have your best week ever. So until next time, see ya. Hey Lou, it's Christine Morrison giving you a call from Flowertown, PA. Once again, I just was reading some of the comments from your Momentum weekend. It sounds like it was a roaring success and you guys had a wonderful time and everybody walked away with some great, great inspiration. So patience on that. Um, I have several people who've asked me about Food and Wine Festival this year, and I'm so excited to look it over, and it's so overwhelming, the amount of delicious food, and something I discovered today, which I didn't even realize, that in addition to everything they have going on at Epcot, all of the resorts have their own signature dining events that they have set up for food and wine, all these multiple course dinners that you can be a part of with these amazing chefs. And I didn't even realize that this was going on until I started reading more and more into the Food and Wine Festival. Um, So there's a whole list of the different events 
at the different restaurants and what they're serving and who the chefs are going to be. And it all sounds so amazing. So you, you pair that with going around World Showcase, and then you have all these different chefs um, being highlighted, and you can go watch them cook and all the all the merchandise and all the different uh, classes you can take. It's so overwhelming, and honestly, I wish I could go every single day and just immerse myself in all of it. It's all amazing. I unfortunately couldn't go this year. I'll be going next year. Adult only weekend. There's like ten of us going. I'm so so psyched. Um, and somebody that I work with is going to be down there this weekend, and is only going to be able to spend about five hours at Food and Wine. So I'm just telling her the best thing to do, and she's super super psyched. So um, thank you for all that you do, Lou. I love listening to your shows. I have to tell you, uh, I started listening in June, and I have listened to 100 episodes of your show and um, it's going strong and um, I'm determined to get through every single one and I learned so much and you just keep me wanting to learn more and more and more. Um, I'm becoming a little obsessed with it, but I love it and I don't even care. Have a great week and uh, I'll see you when I see you. Bye-bye. Hey, Lou, this is Steve Chen from Irvine, California, giving you a call from the Disney Boardwalk. So my family and I just got off a four-night cruise on the Disney Dream, went to Nassau, Castaway Key, and it was just a fantastic, perfect experience, except for the weather. We got rained out at Nassau and Castaway Key, but the crew, the, the cast, they were they were just awesome. They still made it a great time for us. Um, just hanging out here, thought we'd take a day, visit some of the other sites. Uh, didn't actually go to the parks, the big parks, but we did go to... Typhoon Lagoon and played some miniature golf and just had a great time and at the uh, other amenities here at the resort. So hope things are going well. Hope you had a great time in Asia. Look forward to the podcasts um, that you'll make about that. And thanks a lot. Have a good day. Bye. Hi, Lou. My name is Joe, and uh, I just started listening to your podcast. I've been kind of getting into podcasts recently, and I, I grew up on Disney. And today on the way home from work, I was listening to Rays, and I can't help but share my experience and my love for the Tapestry of Dreams Parade, or the Tapestry of Nations slash Tapestry of Dreams Parade. I, I grew up loving it. I was obsessed with that parade. I made my mom, I dragged my mom, my dad, my sister. Every time I went to Epcot, I wanted to watch this parade. And being, you know, a 22-year-old, I grew up with the technology and the um, the advances, you know, MP3 players, iPods, iTunes, and an iPhone. Now your phone has everything, computer, um, uh, com- camera, and especially music. Well, to this day, the only CD I have is the Tapestry of Nations, the Splash Tapestry of Dreams soundtrack. You know, that includes the, the show soundtrack um, and um, the soundtrack to the parade with the Dream Seekers. And with the two walkout songs I the amount of love I hold for that parade still burns strong with me so many years later I still listen to the song I know every word even the made up language that uh, is featured in the song and my favorite 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 part of that song is the quote by Walt Disney Walt Disney once said the era we are living in today uh, excuse me, I'm so excited. I can't remember right now, but I promise you, 
I know it. But um, I just wanted to tell you how much I love that parade and how much that podcast reminded me, and it brought back so many memories. So thank you, Lou, for pointing that out. And I, I love the show. I'm becoming a great big fan. Unfortunately, you know, growing up in Florida, I'm leaving, so I won't be back to Disney for a while. But when I do, I'm going to listen to your podcast. Hopefully I can catch you in the park somewhere, or uh, I'll start following you with your live broadcast on Wednesday. So thank you for letting me call in and share, and have a good one. How's it going, Lou? This is Brian Rainey from Kansas City, and I just want to let you know I'm back. And right now it's, let's see, September 16th, Saturday, hot day, sunny day. I'm at the Magic Kingdom bus stop going down to Disney Springs, having a good time. Haven't had any rain for a while, so that's a good thing. And let's see, some of my favorite things on property, uh, let's see, the chocolate chip cookies at the Trolley Car Cafe at the studio are my favorite cookies. Um, let's see, the best place to get shakes on property is the Lux Burger down at Disney Springs, especially the s'more shake. And right now I'm on my way to STK Orlando to get one of my favorite steaks on property. So I thought I'd throw that out there, and I will call you in a couple of days. See ya. Hey, Lou, this is Steve calling from Michigan. I uh, just wanted to call and say um, I'm loving the podcast. I've been listening for about nine months now. I've uh, been recommending it to some friends. Uh, it's such a great way to bridge the gap between Disney vacations. And I've been going back into the archives. I just listened to show 193, your interview with Alice Davis. And it was just such a great show. I had to call in and uh, just say thanks. Such a great way to, to get some inside information, and I really, really enjoy it. I've got 50 days until my Disney vacation coming up in October. We're going to be hitting all of the parks and Mickey's Not-So-Scary Halloween Party. Uh, really excited about that going with a couple of friends uh, who haven't been, one hasn't been ever, and another one who hasn't been uh, since she was a little girl. So uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, so uh, thanks, Lou, and uh, keep it up. Loving that loving that podcast, and uh, can't wait to hear what you've got coming up next. Bye. Hello, Mr. Lou Mangiello, and this is Darlene Nagy from West Seneca, New York. Hello, all the WDW radio cruisers, WDW radio, Adventure by Disney travelers, WDW radio, Fox family, and people. It is a beautiful Saturday morning in West Seneca, New York, and I have exactly 204 days until my birthday trip in Walt Disney World, and there is about 330 days until our October trip with the Sternbergs, and if you guys are down in the world, go next week, Saturday, or is it this? Yeah, next week, Saturday, right after Halloween, November 4th, if you're there, Lou's planning a meet of the month up at the Castura Grill on the 4th from 3 to 4.30. Okay? So have a wonderful time, everyone. Love you all, and stay positive. You've got a friend in me. 
we now have the ability and the responsibility to build new bridges of acceptance and cooperation between us, to create a better world for ourselves and our children as we continue our amazing journey aboard. Ladies and gentlemen, our time travels have been momentarily delayed. Please remain seated. Your time machine vehicle will begin moving again at any moment. Please remain seated. We'll resume our journey shortly. Thank you.